Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Daily Roundup on this, a Monday, November 20th, 2023. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host, shall I? Do you know, folks, today is National Absurdity Day? She does not celebrate this day. Folks, it's 2023. Every day is absurd. She is the she-devil with a spatula. She is the Khaleesi of the greater Coburg area. She is Tamara Ugolini. How you doing there, Tamara? Well, I'm great. I'm surprised, David, that you didn't open with it being Transgender Day of Remembrance. Yes. So there's some conflicting days here. And, uh, well, the Day of Absurdity also happens to fall on the Transgender Day of Remembrance. Oh, oh the irony is that. I see a complaint in the offing. <laughs> the, uh, the transgenders are going to say that uh, you're mocking us uh, by having the Transgender Day of Remembrance. It's the Transgender Day of Remembrance because I was writing them down um Tamara, and well, November 6th was Transparent Day, and then November 13th and 19th was Trans Awareness Week. Today is Trans Day of Remembrance in March, March 31st. That'll be Trans Visibility Day, and then we have Pride Day, which became Pride Week, which became Pride Month, which became Pride Season. I think it ends uh, on the last day of summer. Basically, one third of the calendar year is devoted to a 0.000000% um, part of the population. What's going on here, Tamara? Yeah, I mean, let's save our commentary. We have some funny <laughs> tweets and clips to share with you on this topic. But before we get into it, because there is a lot here, as you can tell, it's one third of the calendar year plus plus plus. And I think that acronym grows as the calendar dates uh, specific and dedicated to this movement also grow. But nonetheless, if you're just joining us, uh, normally I'm here for Tamara Tuesdays. But of course, today is Monday. And we're streaming on a few different platforms, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, Getter, and Twitter. Uh, unfortunately, YouTube has demonetized us. Gee, I guess it's been a solid two years now that we've been demonetized oh, from flies. YouTube. Yes, sure does. So Time flies when you're not making money. <laughs> But when you're still having fun, and that's what we do here. So this is a nice hour-long stretch dedicated to providing off-the-cuff commentary. And also, if you join us on Rumble specifically, you can give us what is called a Rumble Ranch. So through a small monetary donation there, you can have your comment read on screen, whether that be a tip or an opinion or maybe even a trick. Um, we love hearing from our viewers. Of course, we're 100% viewer funded, and so our journalism this office. Everything that you see here would not be made possible without your generous contribution. So thank you in advance for that. And if you'd like to be part of the stream itself, head on over to Rumble and give us what's called a Rumble rant. Um, so yeah, as, as David started off there, our first topic of the day is to dissect this trans day of remembrance. Um, and we have a, tr a tweet here from our fearless overlord, Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau. Who says, you know, he never wastes a good opportunity for um, his political narrative and agenda. He says, transphobia is unacceptable. Today, we remember those whose lives have been taken because of this hate. Oh, really? And we, we, 
sorry, and we recommit to making sure that everyone can be who they are openly and proudly without fear. Hashtag trans day of remembrance. So that's what trans day of remembrance means. I thought it was a separate remembrance day ceremony. Um, some nine days after the real Remembrance Day ceremony. And funny that too, uh, Remembrance Day, commemorating the more than 100,000 Canadians and Newfoundlanders who gave their lives in the First World War and Second World War alone, that gets like um, a couple of hours of one day in November. Mm -hmm. And this trans obsession, it just goes on and on. And, um, you know, give it, leave it to blackface to come out with this uh, tweet. And, Let's talk about his very first statement. Transphobia is unacceptable. Really, Blackface? What about those members of the trans community? I think if you're a man going to woman, that's trans woman, right? And woman going to man is trans man. So yeah, these right. so-called trans women. Um, what about them invading female sports? What about them invading female shelters? What about them invading female penitentiaries? And yes, uh, knock me down with a feather. You know what happens. Um, they clean the clocks of real females in sports. Uh, they, um, like our friend uh, Cody uh, Dentremont, a.k.a. Desiree Anderson, a.k.a. Cody the Catwoman. Yeah, he's identifying as a cat right now. The guy that got into the Windsor shelter and within days was charged with sexual assault by Windsor police. Who, who, who saw that coming? And then you can be a 300-pound bearded man and say, uh, I'm identifying as Tinkerbell. I want to serve my time in a female penitentiary. Permission granted. But guess what, Tamara? If you ever got... Uh, convicted of something you had to do 10 years in the slammer and you said yeah i identify as a man i want to go to millhaven and serve out my sentence well guess what permission denied and the reason is the guards don't want to spend 24 7 pre preventing you from being assaulted raped or worse uh, so, you know, it, isn't it funny, folks, that when the rubber hits the road of reality, all this wokeism, all this trans acceptance, all that garbage goes right into the dumpster. Um, and who's uh, who's suffering from it? Oh, about four billion individuals on planet Earth called women. I, I know <laughs> we even have a female Supreme Court judge in the U.S. who can't define that word. Um, but it, it is just... Give me a break with this transphobia. Um, where and and my last point on this, uh, Tamara, is um, where is the um, feminist movement on this? Well, exactly. Yeah, they they seem to also be um, pivoting to be trans activists, yeah. so they're kind of all lumped in together. But this is textbook misogyny, yeah. as you say. Where if I identified as a man, I can't go into a male prison, but. Uh, if I'm a man and I identify as a woman, I can go into a female prison. And even in some instances in British Columbia, horrible, horrible um, situation where a an offender abused a baby and is now housed yes. in a women's and children's portion of um, a prison. So that was something I think that Heather Mason would have chat maybe chatted about on the weekend yes. at the Rebel Live event, yep. which um, I heard was a great time, by the way, just to kind of veer off topic a little bit. But 
you know, no one, even our, our policing is oh. totally captured by this ideology. And yeah. I don't know if it's trans remembrance or trans day of remembrance um, <laughs> because uh, a trans people have been killed or if it's about this suicide, right? Because the whole idea behind this narrative is that if you don't gender affirm, especially children and adolescents, yep. they will die. They'll they'll commit suicide. That's like, that's, it's it. It's very black and white. If you don't do it, they're committing suicide. There's no in between. And so I think this is mostly about those who have committed suicide. Um, but regardless, we have a tweet here also to share with you about from the Toronto police on transgender day of remembrance. They say that they mourn and remember those who have lost their lives by anti-transgender violence, oh, really? hate crimes have no place in our city. So wait a minute, Tamara Ugolini. Uh, are they implying that if a transgender person who is probably mentally ill, especially if you're taking your own life, if it's a self-inflicted wound to commit suicide, does the uh, Toronto police call label that as anti-transgender violence, even though it was the transgender person who committed suicide? I mean, like... I'm I'm seriously confused. I'm not even trying to be funny here. There seems to be a lot of confusion these days <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on all fronts. Um, what a day for the day of absurdity to also fall on Trans Day. And by the way, I'm not surprised at all. One of our one of my favorite videos that we did uh, this year was about the uh, and it was a Toronto copper that leaked it to us. Yes. They have to have mandatory transgender training, and basically, it's so embarrassing. Most of the video is really what looks like homeless trans people um, telling the cops how to do their job. And if you think, and you remember the iconic image, um, Tamara Ugolini, Lady Justice, holding the scales and the sword and the blindfold on, you know, uh, well, Lady Justice is not wearing a blindfold anymore when it comes to the transgender community. <laughs> She's wearing x-ray glasses because one of the most unbelievable things was the fact that a trans man, so this is a woman pretending to be a man, uh, some of them evidently carry um, a dildo, pardon my language, in their panties to pretend it's a penis. And when you go into a holding cell, uh, you lose your necktie, your, your um, shoelaces, your belt, anything that you can use as a weapon, anything that you can harm yourself with. And nope. But if it's a trans man with this dildo, that's not a sex toy. That's a gender-affirming article, okay? <laughs> and even though it can be weaponized, mm -hmm. so we have to turn a blind eye. Uh, talk about the inmates running the asylum. And I'll never forget, I don't know if we have a clip of it. It was Officer Chevalier, who um, he he's, uh, I, I think, yeah, there, there he is there, Olivia. We got to listen to this because he... He's very obsessed about not misgendering his niece, who is a minor. So he's come up with a new vocabulary. Uh, if we're able to run that, folks. Yeah, Olivia's going to uh, look for it. it it's, worth, it's worth the wait. But this is the politicization that the police are under. And I'm sure it's not just the Toronto Police Department. It is police uh, services right across our great dominion. And uh, I think that might be him there, uh, Olivia. Let, let, 
Let's see what Officer Chevalier has to say um, about talking about your nieces and nephews because you don't want to misgender them, do you? <laughs> Masculinity to be found here, folks. Hello, my name is Robert Chevalier. I'm the LGBTQ2S plus liaison officer for the Toronto Police Service. Now, wait a minute. Did he say LGBTQ2S plus? Wow, that is such outdated language to describe the, the meaning. But I well, uh, important to me, and I feel so attached to it, uh, is not only because I'm a gay male, but uh, just in the past few months, uh, my previous niece has come out as non-binary. And so I call her my previous niece because niece is no longer appropriate. So the two of us sort of put our heads together, did some research, and we came up with the word nibbling, which if you Google it, you might, you may or may not find that it's a, a non-binary uh, way to, to call your uh, niece or nephew. Did he? <laughs> so, to bury you, when he said nibbling, I'm a little confused here. Isn't that a brand of licorice? Um, or maybe it's a product from uh, the Green Giant, you know, niblets. Um, and maybe the Green Giant is on base with this. He's always wearing that little mini skirt, you notice, and his legs are akimbo over the crops. Like, why is he always laughing too? Mm -hmm. What is he doing to those crops? But uh, Tamara, I digress. How's your nibbling? I am just looking it up to confirm that this is, in fact, a word, and um, it sure is. The dictionary here, Merriam-Webster dic Dictionary, um, has this as a gender-neutral term used to refer to a child of one's sibling, supposed to be for siblings, as a replacement or as a replacement for niece or nephew. Unbelievable. See how the language is changing, folks? is a nibbling. So I, I guess if we called a girl that looks like a niece a niece and not a nibbling, um, I guess that's a hate crime. Uh, I guess that's misgendering or uh, I don't even know if it fits into misgendering. It's miss something, miss uh, not using newspeak. Uh, it, it's crazy. And I got to tell you, also last night, I don't know if you know, because uh, I would think in this day and age, pretty much beauty pageants are irrelevant. And you know, folks, you really know if you have a gambling problem, if you bet on Miss Universe, like I did, and uh, bet on Miss Panama, who was robbed, by the way, Miss Nicaragua won. Um, here's what's newsworthy about that. Miss Nicaragua is... A woman, yes, like a Hooray. biological woman, won a, a beauty pageant because we've seen in recent years. Yeah. And I believe, Tamara Ugolini, the fix is in. This is all about generating publicity. Um, this is all about, you know, because like I said, a beauty pageant this day and age is pretty much irrelevant. Um, is that, uh, yes, th that is indeed Miss Panama, isn't it? Oh, that is Miss Nicaragua. That that is the winner. Yeah, I think she's too skinny for my liking. I, I like a little meat on the. You know bones. what? As you long as she's saying? a woman, I'll <laughs> oh, take yes. it. Oh yes, uh, biological woman. There you have it. <laughs> and you can tell um, by the way that she walks the runway there um, that she is a biological woman. Yeah. But I mean. We also saw just over the weekend on Saturday, the Toronto Police Operations, so a subsect of Toronto Police, put out this tweet, um, missing Lily, I guess it's spelled, Lily. is that three L's? Anyway, Lily, age 28, 
Uh, it's a missing per- <laughs> missing person, although they don't even use the word person. Uh, they don't use any gender at all. <laughs> but have a look here. This is Lily, apparently age 28. Uh, last seen Friday, July 7th. Six foot to six foot six, 200 pounds. Holy nibbling. (laughs) (laughs) With blonde hair and brown eyes, known to wear extensions or a red wig. And, uh, well, you can see for yourselves the photos of Lily. And apparently known to wear the brassiere on the outside of the blouse. Or is that see-through? I I can't tell. Yeah, it's some strange sort of fetish getup. What a fashion plate. Why don't we just say this is a a cross-dressing male who's known to have some form of mental delusion or mental health issue. And um, we're on the lookout for this person. If, If you come across this character then let us know but this just validating the delusion um is what some are actually saying leads to that increase in mental health crisis and subsequently and sadly that suicidal ideation you know gender affirming care is sold to children and their parents as this quick fix for mental health issues and those facing mental health crises and what you're starting to see now as the data comes out and this ideology is implemented in real time in front of our our eyes is that this isn't the quick fix that it's being sold as and these individuals still struggle with identity crisis with various mental health issues and they are unfortunately still having this suicidal ideation on the other side of things except now they've also caused irreversible harm to their bodies and they may be reeling with deep regret of this mistake because a lot of the time these surgeries and interventions that are meant to be this cure, this quick fix, are actually causing a whole host of subsequent issues that they were never adequately informed about. You know, it gets back to that cornerstone of medical ethics, which is informed consent. And um, so when we talk about this trans day of remembrance, I think we also have to tr- talk about the fact that they're being sold this idea of a quick fix that's turning out to just proliferate the issue. And um, we have to remember that there is still going to be mental crisis on the other side, and it will be potentially exacerbated by the very gender-affirming care that has been pushed incessantly on everyone that arguably comes from the very top, and that's Big Pharma, because that's who will profit the most from this ideology. You know, you're absolutely right, uh, Tamara Ugolini. I can tell you at Rebel Live on, in Calgary, and by the way, um, what a fantastic uh, turnout. So many, um, N is for nibbling, and you know what else N is for? Normal. So many normal people <laughs> came out, but one of the best presentations, I would say perhaps the best, was Billboard Chris Elston, who actually had some people in tears uh, talking about this, uh, I'll call it a jihad against young people. Um, it's not only big pharma, but it's healthcare too. It's the hospitals. Um, yeah. Chris uh, had the presence of mind to record a Boston Children's Hospital roundtable mm, discussion, the worst. which is chilling. Um, it's this uh, little star chamber, which, and they're just spitballing. Well, what if we do this surgery? Maybe we should not do that surgery. Maybe we should do it earlier. Maybe we should wait a year. It's unbelievable. And at the end of the day, folks, the unspoken strategy 
is going to be the billions of dollars around the world in terms of slicing and dicing your children's genitalia, in terms of giving them puberty blockers. Um, these medical doctors that are on side with this, you may as well adopt the name and identify as Dr. Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. They're monster makers. And um, that's what it is all about, uh, Tamara. It's the bottom line, whether you're big pharma or the hospital industry, uh, this is a whole new source of revenue. The ideology in school, where you have some schools, some children, some school boards, like 20%, 25%, a third of students saying, yeah, um, I identify as a they, as a she, her, a he, him, reversing the, the genders, because this is being celebrated, you know? And what I fear is, I don't know about you, but um, Lady Menzoid, when she was growing up in South Africa, she was a real tomboy. Uh, you know what, folks? If you have a, shot, a, a girl who's a tomboy, uh, keep put that in the closet because the gender maniacs will say, mm -hmm. well, obviously, that's a boy trapped in a female body. It's very much anti-woman. And you know, uh, there's an organization, LGB without the T, and they're saying, listen, we want nothing to do with this transanity because the smart ones in that community realize that this is a war on gay men and lesbian women. And by that, I mean, if, uh, say, a boy is acting effeminate when he's 8, 9, 10, um, what the, uh, you know, the Frankensteins are saying is that obviously that's a girl trapped in a boy's body. And yet when he uh, goes through puberty and becomes an adult, you know what? It's a gay man. Uh, it's, it's not a, a transgender person. Uh, person. It's not a male needing to be made into a pseudo-female. Mm -hmm. And so the people in that community realize it's a war against them as well. And I truly believe, because we're talking about a fringe of a fringe of a fringe of society, uh, Tamara, that it's all about the money. Absolutely. Yeah. Follow the money, right? Yeah. So they say. Well, and that kind of ties in a little bit. When I was at the Free Speech and Medicine Conference at the end of October, um, Dr. Kenneth Zucker, he's Canada's leading gender ideology psychiatrist and um, psychologist, psychiatrist. He was actually ousted from his 30-year professional role at the Canadian CAMH, the Canadian Addiction Mental Health Centre, um, for after there were some diagnostic guidelines that took place in uh, the, the sort of trans ideology sector. And um, he was finding through his 30-year professional experience that most cases of gender dysphoria, which is what this is, correct themselves. If you just yep. let kids be kids, let youth, you know, navigate their adolescence when, you know, everyone who is a teenager struggles at some point with their identity. This is, it's part of the maturation process that you will struggle where you fit in, what you're about, who you really are. That's part of just 
learning and growing into the adult that you're going to be one day. And I think shoehorning people into these labels, not even people, shoehorning these malleable young minds into these labels is causing a whole litany of adverse events from this ideology that we're not going to see for another 5, 10, 15 years. You're starting to see it a little bit now, but the push has really been only since I would say about 2015 that this became so prolific and um, propagated and politically captured and influenced. And so that's where there's this, this huge unknown, but yeah. you can kind of start to see the, the writing on the wall here and where this is going to go. So that's really unfortunate. We will have a feature documentary that, um, includes some of our interview with Dr. Kenneth Zucker. We did uh, put out a full report with him, and then we'll have a feature report that kind of ties in various speeches and topics from that Free Speech and Medicine conference on Rebel News Plus. So if you don't already um, subscribe there, please head over, and it should be out, I guess, in about a week. Um, Maybe I'm being a little bit too gung-ho, maybe a week or two. Can't wait. But Tamara, if I may interject, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if Dr. Zucker uh, touches upon this, Billboard Chris Elston did, a disproportionate amount of children that are being put into hospitals to uh, have their sex changed and have puberty blockers are, guess what, autistic. Yes. You know, Mm-hmm. You can't even raise this with the community. Again, they'll scream, oh, this is transphobia. Anything is transphobia with this community if it's against their narrative. But there have been clinical studies done, by the way, the research is bulletproof, in which the people behind the studies have been called transphobes, bigots, haters. But no, those are the numbers. I, I, I think it might be as high as one third are autistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that wave any there's, red flags for you? There's all these comorbidities, and those should yep. be taken into consideration and taken into account. And um, yeah, when you're when you have these identity comorbidities, like autism, and and learning disabilities, and all of these compounding factors, then um, just treating the gender confusion or the gender dysphoria is not going to be this quick fix that is being sold to parents and these students in schools primarily as this quick fix. And, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens in the next 10, 15 years. But I I suspect that we'll have a lot of severely depressed, infertile adults on the radar. Um, But in one area, at least some logic and common sense has reinstated itself. This is from Friday, uh, National Post. The headline, suspending criminals' deportation over improper pronouns was inappropriate and unwarranted, a federal court judge has ruled. Federal court judge Richard Bell took a flawed course of action and went far beyond his powers when raising the charter question a panel of judges has ruled. And so the opening... Paragraph here is a federal court judge raised an inappropriate, unwarranted, and unrelated issue when he suspended a UK citizen's deportation over questions whether the use of gender-neutral pronouns in a single government document violated the man's charter rights. If you can believe it. it. (laughs) I can't. I I can't. But today is the day of absurdity. So here we are. A hundred percent. I guess, you know what? Maybe we should all just walk around with name tags 
with uh, she, her, he, him, they, them. Uh, you know, no, I was, I was don't, do don't do it. Don't do it. You know, so <laughs> don't do it, it. it's so crazy. I was at a shopper's drug mart in Richmond Hill the other day, and it looked like almost the entire people behind the counter for, you know, uh, pharmacy, for uh, prescription pickups were all wearing gender pronouns, they including do. the one that served me that had the she, her on. And, well, let's, without getting graphic, folks, let's put it this way. Nobody would ever confuse this voluptuous woman as a he him, okay? I mean, that's what made it all the more absurd, right? You know, and uh, but to think that this guy could have skipped deportation over improper pronouns, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, it is unrelated to the facts of the matter. If he's here illegally and he's being deported, I, I don't care what your pronouns are. I don't care if your feelings are hurt. Um, again, more madness. Um, as we say, when you link radical transgenderism and insanity, the end result is transanity. And on that note, they also claim <laughs> to be all about, you know, love is love, as if there's nothing more intelligent oh, to come up with. Oh, you must be kidding. But, um, you know, they're all about <laughs> love, inclusivity, diversity, making sure that everybody feels welcome and validated. And yet... We have this um, out of Portland just today. Woman protesting gender ideology attacked, can you believe it, by trans activists Antifa in yep. Portland. A group of women critical of gender ideology were physically assaulted in Portland by masked trans activists associated with Antifa, resulting in several women being taken to the hospital. Like, this isn't just a little, you know, shove kick. They're taken to the hospital over this. Leaders and members of the U.S. Chapter of Women's Declaration International, WDI, which aims to protect the sex-based rights of women and girls, were also threatened with death, called fascists, sprayed in the eyes with mace, and had their car tires slashed in the middle of the night. And what did the police do? Yeah. You know, it, it uh, Portland is an absolute uh, festering garbage dump fire when it comes to this kind of activism. And, you know, it tells you something, Tamara, doesn't it, that um, why is the trans movement linked to Antifa? Um, and really it speaks to the unspoken strategy against all this, uh, behind all this transanity, rather, which is Marxism. Mm -hmm. It's all about tearing down society as we know it and rebuilding it as a Marxist utopia, which never happens. Uh, just ask anyone from Venezuela, North Korea, Cuba, and so on and so forth. Because if we're at a, 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 a stage in time where not even a female U.S. Supreme Court justice can define the word woman, well, would you, 10 years ago, for, no, not even 10 years, five years ago, would you ever believe that would have happened, uh, Tamara? <laughs> And yet, here we are. Here we so are. that's the story. That's why you see uh, these Marxist thugs who are part of Antifa, which is a contraction of anti and fascist. But they use all the means of fascism, mm -hmm. don't they? Mm -hmm. Vandalism, uh, you know, going after violence. people. Violence. Violence. It, they're not Antifa. They're just fa. <laughs> F-U-C-K. Uh, um, but yes, this, this article here also goes on to say that these men, there were men punched and kicked 
several of us, pushing us to the ground and repeatedly kicking us while we were on the ground. Um, they threw things, cans filled with liquid that fell Jeez. and sprayed all over us. These are men, supposedly Antifa, attacking women yep. for simply questioning and protesting gender ideology in the yeah. streets of Portland. Unbelievable. They're simply Textbook. exercising their First Amendment rights. And uh, again, you know, Tamara, this is a really disturbing thing with these types. It's the fact that uh, they devolve, they go, well, why, why did you punch that woman? Why did you kick her? Why did you mace her? And they go, well, you know, we subscribe to punch a Nazi. This is what they're being, this is the indoctrination in, um, you know, academia right now. Now, a Nazi in their uh, vernacular doesn't mean somebody hell-bent on world conquest and carrying out a genocide. A Nazi means someone who you disagree with. It could be abortion, gun control, capital punishment, you name it. And their go-to response is physical violence, mm -hmm. even if it's a male uh, you know, rendering physical violence against a female. I know I'm old school. I know I'm a square. But there was a day based on chivalry, I know that's a real outdated word, no man would ever strike a woman, and nor should he, but here we are. This is the new normal. Can you imagine it, Tamara? This, I think it's about, this is what happens when you smash the patriarchy. Yeah. Um, they, the, the men can now just come in and start smashing the women. This is just, again, textbook misogyny, and this is unsurprising coming from the the love is love, inclusivity, tolerance, diversity crowd, yeah. who as soon as you don't subscribe to their orthodoxy, they unleash physical violence against you. Yeah. It's like, hey man, love trumps hate. And if you got a problem with that, I'm going to take out my Louisville slugger <laughs> yeah. and smash you over the head. Unbelievable. Happy day of absurdity, everyone at home. Yeah. We're going to take a quick ad break and we'll yes. come back to more. The winter chill is setting in all across the country, including here in Alberta. You might be able to see my breath, but I've got a solution for that annual problem. It's here on the billboard behind me. Now, normally this billboard tells travelers on Alberta's busiest highway, Highway 2, just south of Edmonton about our latest causes, our fights for freedom or books we've published. Today, it's inviting you to join us for some fun in the sun. We're talking about the Rebel News Cruise, a week-long Caribbean cruise departing March 23rd with your favorite rebel personalities, including me, Ezra Levant, Alexa Lavoie, David Menzies, and many more. And of course, the woman of the year, Freedom Convoy leader, my friend, Tamara Leach. We depart from Fort Lauderdale. From there, we go to the Bahamas, Jamaica, the Cayman Islands, and then Mexico. And we're not just bringing your favorite rebel personalities, we're bringing along some of your favorite thinkers and people you see interviewed all the time on Rebel News. But if you're thinking about booking the cruise, Get off the fence and make a decision because this billboard receives 1.3 million monthly impressions, which means the cruise will fill up fast and I don't want you to miss it. For all the details about the Rebel News Caribbean Cruise, please go to rebelnewscruise.com and let's sail away from Trudeau's frosty winter for a week together. For Rebel News, I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed. Come on out November 25th, it's all aboard the Freedom Train in Niagara-on-the-Lake. You can check Rebel News for updates and also the Freedom Passport site.
Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists, like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus, New World Sun, just off a European tour, and the legendary R&B master, Leroy Emanuel. Get on the freedom train with Tamara Leach. Saturday, November 25th at Niagara-on-the-Lake Lake Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The freedom train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. You know, Tamara Ugolini, that I think there's already more than 700 people coming. I bet by showtime it'll be over 1,000. Tamara Leach was at Rebel Live Calgary, and when I saw what she was going to do, her and her husband, Dwayne, they were going to do some musical numbers, and I, I fessed up after her show, um, so I'm not telling tales out of school here, but I rolled my eyes. I go, you know, you don't get to be Canada's number one freedom fighter and a musical star, too. Holy mackerel, they blew me away. They were so good. Uh, they're, they're both playing acoustic guitar there. And uh, Tamara has, uh, Tamara Leach, that is, has a fantastic voice. So this isn't just Tamara Leach uh, riding on the coattails of her recent fame as a freedom fighter. Uh, she is a bona fide, genuine, excellent uh, performer. How about you, uh, Tamara Ugolini? Can you sing? Can you play the guitar? I like to think I can sing, but I am not. Here, give us a few bars. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> Actually, it was funny. Last week when I was driving home, I accidentally pocket dialed my husband and I was just belting away and like some some song to myself. And he's he was listening for a while and he, he was sharing it with my kids and they were laughing at me on the other side of the phone. But yeah, wow. when I'm driving alone by myself, I don't wear a mask. I prefer to sing. Uh, Please pocket <laughs> dial me. Yeah. Uh, one of these days so I can hear I'm that. I'm glad it was my husband and not someone else. All right, um, then. Unlike another okay. staffer that sort of pocket dialed we me. We won't go we there. We won't go there. Yeah, we won't go there. In other news. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Over the weekend, yes. um, Calgary Police Services have arrested five people in connection with protests that happened downtown on Sunday, and four of them have been charged. Um, according to the Calgary Police Service, over a thousand people attended a Justice for Palestinians rally in mm. front of City Hall, while over 200 people attended a pro-Israel rally in Olympic Plaza across the street at McLeod Trail. CPS officials say several people deployed smoke devices during the protests and a large faction began marching throughout the downtown core. A um, hundred of them marched and gathered at an intersection where they subsequently blocked traffic, and five of those people were arrested, and three of them were charged with assaulting a peace officer. Hmm. Another of the arrestees <laughs> has been charged with obstruction of a police of a peace officer, and the fifth person was released without charges. You know, uh, Tamara Ugolini, knock me down with a feather. Are you telling me that Calgary law enforcement was, um, oh, I don't know, what do you call it? Oh, yeah. Enforcing the law, you know, uh, arresting those engaged in criminal activity. You know, um, I call them as I see them, like the umpire behind home plate, folks. And I can tell you this, uh, 
Calgary police was one of the worst police services, I think, during COVID. Uh, they were yeah. arresting preachers in uh, live lanes of traffic, if you recall. Uh, you had that female officer threatening to tase uh, a hockey player for uh, playing some shinny outdoors. Mm -hmm. uh, it was absolutely despicable behavior. But like I said, I call him as I see him. If people are committing crimes, if they're blocking intersections, if they're setting off smoke bombs, which is a do rigueur thing with these pro-Hamas demonstrations, uh, Tamara, yeah, you're breaking the law. And oh, and the other thing too, um, invading private property, you should be arrested because that's what happens. And I would argue, Tamara, that when law enforcement turns a blind eye and their political masters turn a blind eye and don't call it out, you know what happens? The mob gets emboldened, right? They push the envelope further and further. Uh, so we got to um, we got to put a, an end to this behavior. Well, what I'm just wondering is when Deputy Prime Minister and our Minister of Finance, Christia Freeland, is going to immediately seize bank accounts. Um, remember, Justin Trudeau invoked unprecedented wartime legislation to quell a peaceful protest in Ottawa, yep. the trucker convoy in January and February of 2022. They instituted that piece of heavy-handed totalitarian legislation in order to subsequently freeze the bank accounts of Canadian peaceful demonstrators. And uh and you know what, Tamara? Where are they now? Oh, yeah. It, it, well, it, one law for thee, one law for thee. And uh, I'll never forget that press conference going back to 2022, where Fraulein Freeland was uh, almost laughing out loud. She was so giddy yeah. that she Gross. was going to target law-abiding, peaceful Canadians, not for being out on Wellington Street in uh, Ottawa, folks, but for having the temerity to donate at least $50 to this cause. That is one of the darkest days, I think, in Canadian history. That was frightening. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Um, I think the blackface regime uh, has been successful in sending a message of keep your mouth shut or else, because I'm sure you run into this. I run into all the time. Somebody speaking out about injustice. Well, typically, you know, like something like, um, oh, let me think now. How about a 50-year-old man identifying as a 13-year-old girl at a swim competition and getting to shower with the other 13-year-old mm -hmm. girls? Something like that. And what they say is, Dave, we love Rebel News. I want to speak out, but I own a business or I work for the government and the woke mob will come for me and I can't afford to go bankrupt. You know, this, or for that matter, my own federal government to freeze my bank account. There is this climate of fear out mm -hmm. there, Tamara Ugolini, even when it comes to decent-minded, normal Canadians speaking out about an injustice, and I can hardly wait for regime change. Yeah, same. Oh, well, that's what I'm thinking in the back of my mind. Like, the, what, what, how do you fix that? And oh. it's a change in leadership. And, well, we don't even really have leadership if you want to get down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah. These, these are not leaders by any stretch of the word. Um, they certainly don't have integrity, that's for sure. And that is, I think, a, a classic characteristic needed of a leader. Um, but we also saw over the weekend, member of fe federal liberal government was targeted by by what the mainstream media calls pro-Palestine protesters in mm. Vancouver. 
during a town hall on the opioid crisis, yeah. or sorry, the opioid epidemic on Saturday night, Vancouver Granville MP Talib Nur Mohammed was confronted by a group of mm. protesters calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. And I don't think we have a video of this one. No, I don't think we do. But anyway, he was meeting with drug advocacy groups. <laughs> uh, that right there is the problem, folks, yeah. in harm reduction and safe supply. Um, but anyway, that's not what the topic is to discuss here. But I think therein lies the issue. Anyway, he was meeting with drug advocacy groups and community members when the protesters, both outside and inside the venue, interrupted the event. Uh, the discussion apparently continued. And after the event... Nur Mohammed took time to speak with many of the protesters who were still in attendance. Well, isn't that surprising? The federal government spoke with protesters. And That's something that they didn't do when the Freedom Convoy hit Ottawa in those devastatingly cold winter months of 2022. Not one minute, not one liberal. Nope. It was despicable. And, you know, I got to say, this is where I think the pro-Hamas people are losing the plot. Um, this was a meeting over the uh, opioid epidemic. Uh, what does that have to do uh, with the price of tea in China, or for that matter, the uh, Israel-Hamas war in the Middle East? Um, you know, this is a serious thing uh, going on, the opioid, uh, you know, addiction and deaths for that matter. And for them to crash it, like they crashed the Giller Prize. I mean, I'm kind of surprised, uh, Tamara Ugolini, um, I heard whispers that they m were going to target the Grey Cup last night. You know, um, it didn't come to fruition as far as I know, or they were held off at the past. But the, you know, why, and we, as we see in Montreal often, intersections being blocked off at rush hour. Yeah. Boy, talk about making friends and influencing people. You know, the normal Janes and Joes just want to get out there, make money, put bread on their table, and you have to endure being late going home three and a half, four hours. Um, I don't think that is a way to get mainstream Canadians on board the pro-Hamas train. Yeah. Agreed. And we, we have another, um, well, this is an image, I guess, that was posted uh, by our Montreal correspondent, speaking of Montreal, mm -hmm. Alexa Lavoie. Yep. And, um, well, there you have it. It says, uh, we love you. Kill them all. <laughs> oh, leaders, boycott the terrorists. Do not be accomplices to the genocide in Palestine. You know, it, it, it's amazing this, um, how prone they are to violence. A week ago, uh, Tamara, at Christy Pitts in Toronto, there was a huge pro-Israel um, demonstration. Thousands of people attended. You know what was kind of different? A few things. One is uh, the number of Canadian flags, as well as the State of Israel flag, uh, being mm -hmm. shown. In all the Hamas protests I've covered, I've seen one Canadian flag. That's it. It's all Palestinian flags. I also didn't hear anyone calling for the death of an identifiable group. I also didn't hear anyone at the pro-Israel uh, march calling for any Islamic country to be wiped off the face of the earth, Allah, from the river to the sea. Um, you know, it's very odd, isn't it? Why do you think that is? Yeah. <laughs> hypocrisy i've yes. been saying it since 2020 hypocrisy is the new normal yep. and um we have a, one clip before we move on here um where these these protests call for long live the resistance yep. and long live the antifada 
on the streets of Toronto yesterday. And this is a post uh, that comes from the Centre for Israel and Jewish Affairs advocacy group. And they say this type of glorification of violence and terror has no place in Canada and must be condemned by all. Long live the this is a child. There is only one solution. You know, it's the age of that uh, speaker, Tamara, that yeah. really disturbs me as a, you know, whether you're in marketing or Marxism, the saying is, get them young, get them forever. And this is part of the problem. Uh, if you go to Gaza, um, children are indoctrinated from the earliest ages. I remember, uh, must be about 15 years ago, 60 Minutes did a report it was a character kind of like, I don't know, Barney or Big Bird in terms of North American uh, sensibilities. It, its name was Terabishu the Talking Chick. And it was all about uh, this, you know, child-friendly mascot um, whipping up a frenzy of what do you do when you see a Jew, right? And it went from getting a rock to throw at the Jew to getting a, an AK-47 and shooting the Jew. It, remember, this is for a target audience of maybe three to seven-year-olds. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, when you have that kind of indoctrination of hatred yeah. going on, uh, well, you reap what you sow, don't you? Yeah, that's absolutely appalling. And that what we're seeing on the streets of Canada is absolutely appalling and um, agreed that it needs to be condemned. And uh, meanwhile, you have that Vancouver MP saying, oh, we'll meet with them so that everybody can feel like they have their voices heard. It, it, you know, and, and the other thing, too, you know, you've touched upon something. Whenever we see a synagogue vandalized, whenever we see a Jewish school where a bomb threat is phoned in, like what happened to the Toronto one yeah. on Friday, um, whenever we see a, um, a restaurant or a florist owned by a Jew and uh, there's this, uh, the mob descends and creates vandalism and implies um, violence. Um, when a political leader does reach out, they say, we condemn all forms of anti-Semitism. Well, that's where they should put the period, full stop. But no, almost every single time, and Islamophobia. Where is that? Where's the Islamophobia? I mean, this is crazy, Tamara. I just mm -hmm. told you when you had that mass gathering at Christie Pitts uh, a week ago Sunday, uh, nothing uh you know, nothing that approaches hate speech was said in regard to Islamic countries or Muslims. Certainly, you don't see Jews running around targeting uh, Islamic-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. Why do you think our leaders feel that they have to throw in the Islamophobia card when they're calling out tangible acts of anti-Semitism? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, a change of leadership yeah. All around. Well, we hope. Is uh, is needed here. And that just happened in Argentina. Oh, did it ever. Hey. Oh, I love this guy. Javier Millet. I think I've got a, I've heard I his name. I was going to ask you. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> it pronounced two different ways. But this is truly, um, I guess you could call him an anti-politician. Uh, he says what he means and he means what he says. 
uh, he, he'll even, um, you know, I mean, he'll go off the ranch in terms of, uh, you know, using common vernacular, you know, not drowning himself with uh, $3 words. But um, do we have any clips of his, uh, his victory? I, I well, guess he identifies as libertarian. Right. I think so. I'm yeah. not as familiar with um, the political happenings in Argentina, but we have a tweet here from from him, I believe, Javier Millet. Yes, I, I believe it's I think pronounced. That's it. um, and the translation here from Spanish is a new Argentina begins. Populism is over. The privileges of politicians are over. Insecurity and corruption are over. Seems like a. A high task. Oh, and uh, much needed because Argent, uh, Argentina's economy is in the dumpster uh, right yes. now. And uh, Argentinians, I think, were looking for change and something different. And uh, we have a recap mm -hmm. of his uh, moments criticizing both socialism and wokeness. Jeez, what's not to love? <laughs> um, why don't we go... Um, and some of his language is saucy, so uh, just brace yourself, folks. So why don't we uh, take a look at some of these videos of Javier Mele um, saying what I think is, well, it's music to my ears, that's yep, for sure. same. Oh, we're having an issue. Oh, we have the, the circling wheel of death on the internet. So. But in this one, I think he essentially gets to the fact that the state can give you nothing because in the end, produces nothing. Yeah. Here he is with Tucker Carlson. Trump is running for president again in the United States, as you know. What advice would you give him? Que continúe con su lucha en contra del socialismo, porque es uno de los pocos que entendió cabalmente que la pelea es contra el socialismo, que la pelea es contra los estatistas y comprendió perfectamente que la generación de riqueza proviene del sector privado. Es decir, el Estado no crea riqueza, el Estado la destruye. El Estado no puede dar nada porque no produce nada y cuando lo quiere hacer además lo hace mal. Entonces, me parece que si yo, desde mi pequeño lugar, lo, lo único que podría decirle es que redoble los esfuerzos en la misma dirección de defender las ideas de la libertad y de no darle tregua ni un solo segundo a los socialistas. Wow. No, it's great. And he's bang on. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's funny, uh, Tamara, as the old saying goes, socialism ain't for the socialists. <laughs> Uh, because in these countries infected by socialism, communism, uh, it's always the common man and woman who are um, harmed by these policies. But mm -hmm. the government leaders, uh, they're not eating rations. They're not getting around in a 30-year-old car. If you're lucky, that is, not to be on a packed bus. It's Mercedes across the board. So... Um, that is the true face of socialism, the outrageous hypocrisy when it comes to those in power preaching it. Well, and I like that he says state does not give wealth, it destroys it. Yeah. And he rightfully points out there that it's the private sector that generates wealth. And what did we see all throughout 2020 and yep. 2021? The state destroyed private sector wealth. And we've seen nothing but a bloating of the bureaucracy under the 
socialist liberals, Justin Trudeau yep. and his government. And um, I, I would say maybe Argentina seems like a great place to move as Canada devolves into destruction under this horrible government that we have in place. And, and, and you know, I'm glad you mentioned blackface because- uh, How could in, you not? In addition to, uh, and, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you, Tamara, I, I don't know what the lay of the land is in the greater Coburg area from uh, whence you commute, but I can tell you, um, I drive around downtown Toronto, uh, I drive around where I live in Richmond Hill, and I see businesses, well, for Richmond Hill, for example, Businesses that were there before we moved there in 1998. Mm -hmm. So this is businesses that were that they weren't startups. They were more than 25 years old and they were national brands such as um, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Taco Bell, Dairy Queen, shuttered, gone, yeah. you know, and and the building laying vacant. Uh, it breaks my heart, uh, even if I'm not a patron of those businesses. It's just that that was somebody's dream mm -hmm. as an owner or a franchisee. Mm -hmm. And uh, thanks to what we went through with the lockdown, uh, they couldn't make a go of it anymore. Nope. Uh, as well, we saw earlier this year, Blackface telling the leaders of uh, Germany and Japan, uh, oh, sorry, there's no business case for selling you two-thirds of a trillion, yeah, trillion with a T, folks, worth of liquefied natural gas. There's no business case. Be gone. Because, you know, our coffers are overflowing in Ottawa, aren't they? Uh, he is a socialist. Uh, yeah, Justin Trudeau, or, or maybe worse. Uh, you, you know, I mean, well, we know about the connection with the Castro family. A really big connection, allegedly, in one regard. <laughs> I must say the resemblance is uncanny, whether or yes. not you've subscribed to the purported conspiracy theories. But my goodness, that shirt in the Rebel News Store, yep. rebelnewsstore.com. Um, yeah, the resemblance on there is, it's... Uh, it's it's pretty questionable. And you know what? I'll apologize to Mary Ugolini if it's proven otherwise. What well, I'm saying, blackface, just take a DNA test and, <laughs> you know, prove one way or the other uh, whether that T-shirt uh, that we sell, I think it's our number one seller still, uh, is telling the truth. It's the Justin it. Castro shirt. And uh, as Tamara said, folks, the resemblance is uncanny. I don't care where you are on the political spectrum. You can't look at those two faces and not say, hmm. hmm. What was <laughs> happening there, Margaret? We have one more video to share with you of Javier, the new Argentinian president. Is, is he a prime president or a prime minister? Am I, getting I my, believe uh... it is president, isn't it? Anyway, we have another clip of him. Um, well, we have two more clips, but let's just show yes, this one present. because we're running up on the clock here. Okay. So we'll just show the one where he is talking about how society is infected with socialism and um, how we need to essentially remove it from people's minds. A ver, yo creo que el gran problema argentino es un problema cultural. Es decir, esta es una sociedad que está infectada de socialismo. Y lo que hay que lograr es sacar el socialismo de la cabeza de la gente, ¿sí? Y los principales promotores de estas ideas son los políticos. Te propongo que veas lo que fueron las declaraciones de Graciela Camaño. Se supone que uno de los mejores dirigentes de Argentina. ¿Sabes contra quién van? Contra los liberales. Porque los liberales somos los únicos que les 
digamos, le, le enrostramos a los políticos que ellos no son la solución, que ellos son el problema. Los, los políticos son una suerte de sociópatas que quieren hacernos creer que nosotros somos inválidos mentales, inválidos en todo sentido, porque no podemos vivir si no fuera por ellos. En realidad, los que no pueden vivir sin nosotros son ellos. Es decir, si el país se separara entre los que producimos de un lado y del otro lado, queda la mierda de los políticos, los sindicalistas, todo este conjunto de parásitos se hunden, se mueren. Separemos la Argentina, en la Argentina del Norte y Argentina del Sur, ¿sabes qué? Wow. You know, Tamara, how often do you see elected officials, uh, no, uh, let alone presidents, uh, use the F-bomb to get the point? I'm normally not a fan of profanity, but when it comes to socialism, I get where it's coming from. You know? And I was going to say, them be fighting words. And they're fighting words on behalf of the people, though, which is so refreshing to see. I yeah. mean, only time will tell, obviously, as in all the things we've discussed here today, how this plays out in real time, in the real world. Um, but I... I'm a little bit excited for Argentina yep. and uh, it seems like they've done their due diligence and elected somebody that's actually for the people and by the people. So we'll see. Good days for Argentina. First they win the World Cup and now <laughs> uh, for what really matters, uh, it looks like they have someone serious in charge that uh, actually cares about the people. So definitely uh, a nation to keep our eye on. Yeah. And it looks like rumbles down for some no. um, reason. So that means we no don't chance, have right? any rumble rants, unfortunately, Aww. today. Or if we did, maybe they will uh, catch up to us and you can read them tomorrow. Oh, we have one, evidently. Oh, we have one, maybe. Excellent. Before it uh, went down. Um, I don't know. I don't see it in here. Let me... Uh, It's Fraser McBurney. Oh, okay. There, it must have been before rumble. He loves rumble. the uppercase. <laughs> that he yes that he does thanks Frazier gives five dollars wow what a Santa Claus slash gray cup parade the bands the floats the majorettes there must have been a hundred thousand spectators living lining the streets wow what a great gray cup game down to the last seconds you know, you know what uh, about this? It, it was a classic uh you know I, uh, I mean i'm an argos fan but i'm going to give credit where credit is due montreal pulled off such a great come from behind uh victory and uh it's i i'd rank that as one of the better uh, gray cup games of all time um not that when i had to go and drop off my car somewhere i was listening on radio uh 10:50. Uh, the two jabronis calling the game there. I drove folks from Richmond Hill to Newmarket and back. And you know what they forgot to do that whole time, Tamara? So it's almost an hour. Give the score. You know, we're not interested in all these stats from the season and all your opinions. If you're in sports broadcasting, mm -hmm. here's my advice for all the youngsters in journalism school, assuming there are journalism schools. <laughs> If you're calling a game, especially on radio or you can't see on the screen, give the score. I was going out of my mind. Because, you know, when you bet the over-under, it's very important. You know the score. I bet they had their social justice training, though. Yeah. So they lost the over-under. Lost the Miss Universe bet. Uh, Miss Panama was was robbed. Yeah, bad weekend that way for me, Tamara Yugo. You know what? I don't. I don't agree. I think as long as it was a biological woman, it's a win. Either way, I, whatever way you decide to bet, it was a win. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch the the pageant? Are you interested? In Gosh, that? no, I don't care about any of that stuff. Yeah, who does? I don't, 
I don't care. Even the game, I'm like, what is he talking about? I have, I had no idea. So thank, I'm glad that you're the co-host and oh, you yeah. follow your sports. I always kind of say, uh, I laugh to my husband, you know, they're the sports broadcasters. Yeah, they sports really hard. <laughs> That's the no, you're, you're... that I get into it. As soon as they shuttered everything, I used to kind of be in, I used to play hockey and we're, we're like, a, we're a hockey family. So I used to watch hockey um, outside of the arena and the shinny and the kids and whatever. But uh, as soon as the, the athletes, the professional athletes were able to play and continue on with their sports unabated and all the children were shuttered out of arenas and locked out from their extracurriculars and no one stood up for those children and the injustice faced by the general population, not the elite class, I said, to hell with you, and I haven't gone back. Well, there you go. You remind me in that regard of Lady Menzoid. You know, this yes. summer I came in late to a uh, a Blue Jays game. It was a real barn burner, and I said to her, uh, "Hey, who's pitching for the Jays?" And she said, "The pitcher." <laughs> anyway, God, God bless Lady Menzoid. <laughs> she is the real MVP. Well, I guess we are out of time or overtime, as a matter of fact. So I want to uh, thank my fantastic colleague, Tamara Ugolini, uh, for coming in all the way from Coburg, Ontario. <laughs> it's not that far. Uh, <laughs> Traffic's horrible. Traffic. Traffic's yeah. horrible. Don't See, get See, that's me wrong. the thing. You don't measure traffic in the GTA and yeah. uh, environs, folks, by the distance. You measure it by time because half the time you're in gridlock if the you're other, lucky. Last week, it took me almost three hours <laughs> to get here. And then another two and a half home. So people are saying, oh, it's only, a, you know, approximately 100 kilometers into the office. But you, yeah, unless you account for that traffic, that's almost five hours of my day yeah. just gone. Gone. 100%. Waste of so, time. Thank you, because we love to see you in person. <laughs> and thanks to our super producer, Olivia, behind the board, all of you who tuned in, Fraze McBurney, for your generous donation. Really appreciate that. I think I'm back here tomorrow with uh, Sheila Gunn-Reed. So as always, folks, stay safe and stay sane.